When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network. I am your host, Aaron Sagers. Uh, You can catch me as host of the Netflix series 28 Days Haunted, and I'm also on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show, Paranormal Caught on Camera. And the gentleman I'm talking with today, I've been a fan of pretty much uh, long before I could even uh, grow facial hair, but I was still a spooky nerd, a horror nerd. Uh, this gentleman has just been instrumental in the genre. And right now, man, I, this is a great time to talk to him because after 177 episodes, I think, and 12 years and 11 seasons, he's fresh off the finale of The Walking Dead, uh, having served, of course, as a longtime director and executive producer. And, and man, did they stick the landing on that? He is also the master, the man behind Shudder's Creep Show series, which is a love letter to horror fans and, of course, uh, the series adaptation of the George Romero flick of the same name. Uh, season three of Creepshow drops on DVD and Blu-ray on December 6th. And season four, actually, is going to hit Shutter sometime next year on that streaming platform. Plus, plus, on December 20th, there is the Shutter Shutter's Creepshow from script to screen book by Dennis L. Prince. And that is the official behind-the-scenes book featuring spine-tingling stories and tantalizing talent behind the series, available December 20th. All right, without further ado, let me bring this guy in here, Mr. Greg Nicotero. Hey, Greg. Hi. Hey. That was was quite an intro. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, no, seriously. um, I'll ask you a couple Walking Dead questions later uh, after we cover Creepshow stuff. But but truly, just congratulations. You really did. You you really did bring this thing home. I I mean, I know you're not done. Your involvement with the undead is not dead yet. But as far as the main series, you brought the Walking Dead home. So congrats. Well, thanks. It was... uh... It was quite a quite a task. I, I, I'll be honest. You know, I mean, third, I, I was on the show for about thirteen years. Like a third, a third of my career uh, was spent working on The Walking Dead. You know, I got hired by Frank Darabont a year before the show was sold. So it's um, it, it was a unique, a unique journey. One that I just um, I'll be forever grateful for. Yeah, and. I was just looking at some old uh, photos when the finale was was airing, and I I think I well I definitely found some photos of you and Darabont and uh, Andy Lincoln. Uh, I think it was must have been Comic Con, the first Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, and 
You had much shorter hair, so we can judge your involvement based on how long you've been growing out that hair. Well, right before we did, um, probably about a year before I was on Inglorious Bastards with Quentin, and I was in Berlin, and he wanted me to play an SS uh, soldier that gets killed by Stiglitz, who's one of the one of the, the leads. So I cut all my hair off for that movie, and um, and you can just tell that in the first two or three seasons I had short hair, and then it it was I was like the doll that you push on the chest, and the hair comes out the just back. That was comes me. comes flowing out. Yeah, cascading is the word I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, let's let's start by talking about this creep show book from script to screen, um, scream by Dennis L. Prince. You know. I am, oh my, and it's so lovely too. I'm, I, I was looking through the digital copy. I'm waiting for my physical copy. It just looks gorgeous from what I can see. And it, even just reading through or looking through the, the digital version, I was struck by, I love movie making books. I love behind the scenes books. I, when I was a kid, even early on, go to used bookstores, the libraries, I'd pick up. Uh, whether it's universal monster books or uh, this is such my jam. And uh, I, I'm Thank curious about for you, is this a something I'm sure you loved, you know, working in the genre coming up in the genre, uh, these behind the scenes books. Well, you know, for me, it was, you know, we didn't have the internet when I was growing up. So we didn't even have Fangoria magazine until the late seventies. So in the early to mid seventies, when all these movies were coming out, you know, there were books about special effects and they would talk about Planet of the Apes, 2001, you know, Poseidon Adventure. And then, you know, when Star Wars hit, I, I really do think that Star Wars was one of those things where everybody wanted to know everything that they could learn about Star Wars and being, 14 or 13 when that movie came out, I was one of those people. So we were fortunate to have Starlog, Cinefantastique, you know, we we're fortunate enough to have magazines, but the magazines could only touch on it a little bit. So, so for me, it was always about those behind the scenes photos and those stories about how these magical people created this otherworldly universe, whether it be a monster, whether it be a, uh, a, a, a distant planet, whatever it was, you know, I really wanted to learn about it, you know, and, and, you know, I was really interested in miniatures when I was a kid, you know, because of Star Trek and Lost in Space in 2001 and um, Poseidon Adventure was 73 or 72 and the Towering Inferno was 74. So I wanted to learn how these guys built these miniatures and models and then they would blow them up or they would fly around and, so I just loved, I loved it. And, you know, and then the second thing was, you know, Tom Savini's book, Grand Illusions, was probably one of the first books that really had tremendous number of behind the scenes photos. You know, there was, there was Making a Monster that was the Valerie Taylor, Ron and, uh, 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 not Ron and Valerie Taylor, um, Ron Taylor, I believe, um, that was behind the scenes stuff. So I was always looking for, for that kind of stuff. I just, I just really 
it, it's the next best thing to being there is to be seeing a picture of everybody standing around a big werewolf puppet or on a movie set or with the director of photography. So, yeah, I, I, most certainly I, I and, and it's funny <laughs> in the age of the internet, how, you have access to information, anything about any project or literally anything in the world. And sometimes I feel like it goes in, you know, one eyeball and out the other. But some of those old horror books, the behind the scenes ones, I retain the information from those because the tactile interaction of the book, reading about the facts and feeling like I was, I was, you know, being uh, someone was taking me around the shoulder and welcoming me in behind the scenes of, of these films. Well, and that's exactly what it's that's exactly what it's intended to do. It's 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 welcoming you to a world. And, you know, it's the same as when I was growing up and you would buy an album and you would open the album and there would be the liner notes in the sleeve. And while you were listening to the music, you were reading about the making of the album. And and you're, you're absolutely right. There's something about the tactile ability to hold something or study it so that you're not like clicking on a mouse and you're not enlarging something, but you're actually able to study things. Uh, it just uses different parts of your brain. I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I wholeheartedly believe that when you're holding a book versus when you're looking at something uh, on a computer, you're using different parts of your brain. So oh, for, sure. for me, you know, I really wanted to not only celebrate the amazing people that that worked on the show um, over the seasons. But, you know, I feel like my, one of my life missions is to, is to preserve um, George's legacy. You know, George was the guy who brought me under his wing when I was young and hired me. And so being able to, to make the series and talk about George and what he and Steve King did, um, you know, just fills me with, with a tremendous sense of, of duty uh, and gratitude. So it's really, it's really great because, you know, if Walking Dead has taught me nothing, it's that I'm paying it forward. You know, there's a lot of people that I meet on the street. There's a lot of people I meet at conventions that want to do what I do because I inspired them in some capacity or some way. <laughs> what they don't realize, excuse me, is that I was the exact same person 35, 40 years ago, meeting Tom Savini and George Romero and Stephen King. I was the same person. I wanted to do what they did because I was just so inspired by, by their voice. So, you know, if, if nothing else between Walking Dead and Creepshow, my, my hopes and my dreams are to really be able to pay it forward to this new set of up and coming young filmmakers. So the book, the book celebrates the production designer and the director of photography and the props and even the, the artists who designed the creatures and created the creatures. So yeah. I didn't want it to just be a making of book that just featured the art of, I didn't want it to be a making of book that was just the special effects. I really wanted to, give people a glimpse into what it was like to create this show from day one to through post-production and visual effects and music and everything. And I haven't really seen a lot of making of books that, that sort of encompass um, the filmmaking process 
that thoroughly. We talked to the writers, we talked to the d different directors. So it really was important to me that I had a lot of the crew represented and that it, it provided sort of like a little, a little Bible for what it's like to make a very inexpensive show and make it look expensive. And it's a fun show too. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's great how I just tend to I keep crossing over with other folks, either through interviews like this or other scenarios where people are popping up on creep show, like Dana Gould. I recently did an interview with him and talking about his work. It's so it's a delight. The, and in the book itself, it features a new, entirely new artwork, the comic art uh, chapter openings, correct? Yes. Well, you know, I had a bunch of artists during, over the seasons, but there was one guy in particular named Mike Broom, um, and he works here at Kane B as one of our designers. But I initially met him at a convention, and I he had this painting of Reagan from The Exorcist that I absolutely fell in love with and he gave me this comic book that was based on lucio fulci's zombie and so <clears throat> i was always an admirer of his style and of his work so when the creep show book came up you know the the goal really was to to maintain that that style and the aesthetic that he that he was in part responsible for so each of the chapter headings is a drawing and a new sort of drawing with the creep sort of introducing each chapter and um the one of me i particularly i'm particularly happy with because it's got like jaws coming out of the stomach and it's got sharks and it's just kind of a really it's a really great yeah <laughs> look how happy i am i know i mean it's just crazy that there's you know there's a face hugger there's a film reel, there's a creature, and then of course, just all the little things. And I think for me, one of the most fun things about doing Creepshow was being able to put those little Easter eggs in, those little things that I know I'll get them and the people that are watching the show will understand because it's all a love letter to everything that we hold near and dear to us uh, in, in, the, in the genre. So. Mike do, Mike has done that very well in sort of capturing that same spirit. Yeah, and yeah, it's, I I I certainly don't want to see you eviscerated, but I suspect if you were, it, it would just be a bunch of uh, movie memorabilia and whatnot that would. Oh, just for sure! Like I had an MRI, and that's exactly what's in there. Yeah, <laughs> there's like you know, there's the tooth from the Ben Gardner's boat from Jaws. There's all kinds of weird shit in there. Yes, the uh, um the the book also and you mentioned uh george's uh original film with stephen king uh creep show so that's celebrating its 40th anniversary this november now pretty much yeah. and it so that film i my i'm a november baby i just turned uh i just had my birthday so that movie came out and i was young enough to watch and be terrified by that movie but also appreciate the humor of it in fact the 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 cockroach sequence still torments me to this day but you do you you also include imagery and anecdotes from the original creep show well you know you can't celebrate creep show without talking about steve and and, and george and 
you know, it's such a, it's feel, it feels strange even talking about how I became involved in the universe and how I met George. But, you know, ironically, when they were filming Creepshow, you know, George and I had met at a restaurant in Europe when he was working on Dawn of the Dead. And he offered me a job and I turned it down because I thought, yeah, I'm getting ready to go away to college. But um, he invited me to the set. And that's where I met Tom Savini for the first time, was going to the set of Creepshow. So just my chance meeting with George and my friendship with him changed the direction of my life. Because otherwise I would have never even thought about getting into the movie industry in Pittsburgh. I would have never, it would have never been a part of my, my plan. So I feel very grateful that, uh, you know, that George sort of took me under his wing and you know the irony is is that you know a lot of the photos that i that i've taken and a lot of the stories and the anecdotes were were ingrained into my mind because it was such a seminal moment in my life and it was amazing yeah i i really i just really want to show a gratitude to you for um talking about george's legacy because let's face it it's easy, even though we have constant access to all this information, people also have sometimes a short term uh, memory in this in this uh, era. And True. I mean, going back to like, I don't know, it was like 10 years ago. I remember uh, I was I was helping out with some of the folks from the it was called the Zombie Research Society, like Max was in it. And um, and George was was one of the board members and um, people were really trying to rally around getting him that that star on the hollywood walk of fame and you you were you were yeah i know you were definitely there so you've always shown up and i appreciate i very much appreciate that about you i i don't want to get schmaltzy but i am curious because of walking dead because of creep show if you could have that conversation if you could have another conversation with george if you could say anything to him what would you say to him you know george was was such a humble guy like Anytime he, anytime people would gush over him, he was very unassuming. Um, you know, there was a couple of creep show episodes that we did, Night of Living Late Show that Dana wrote. Mm -hmm. um, there were times when I thought, "Fuck, I would love George to see this episode." We we uh, developed one that I directed for season four, which is called George Romero in 3D, and it's. And it's literally about a kid who's working in a bookstore that happened to be the offices for Image 10 during Night of the Living Dead. And he finds a comic book that George developed and he takes the glasses out and puts the glasses on and he brings a 3D zombie out of the comic book. Um, so I just, knowing what George's sensibilities were for 3D movies and that kind of stuff, I really think he would have loved it. And there were a couple of times when I thought he'd probably be annoyed because he's like, why are you doing this? You're embarrassing me because he was so shy. But I really do believe that he, that he would find the humor in it. I mean, George had a great sense of humor. He was always very funny. A lot of people don't really realize that about him because his movies were, you know, especially Night, Night and Dawn. You know, Dawn's got more humor in it than Night Living Dead does. But, you know, it's like, 
meeting people like him and like Sam Raimi who have great sense of humor and sometimes it shows in their movie. So I think George would, I think George would, first of all, I'd be like, what are you, why are you doing all this? Leave me alone, you know, like, why are you devoting so much time to preserving my legacy? I know yeah. he would, he would probably feel that way, you know, in a sort of unassuming kind of way. But, you know, look, these people that paved the way for filmmakers, Wes Craven, Toby Hooper, you know, all of these people that have, have moved on, um, you know, and George, it's, I feel an obligation. I feel an obligation. It's my, it's my duty um, as a current genre filmmaker to pay tribute to those that, that really laid the groundwork for us. Yeah. I, I didn't know him like you. I, I had the opportunity to interact with him on, you know, several, several occasions, whether it was on stage, oh. interviews, camera stuff, like, and just some chats. And as a, as a, he was such a tall guy and I'm a pretty short guy. Like I was literally and figuratively standing next to a giant and, and it was, it was humbling. So no, I mean, I, he's still missed. I have a lot of love for him. So I appreciate what you're doing. Um, the, uh, as you know, I've got to ask a walking, a couple walking dead questions. Yeah. Um, you have this great, uh, cameo as a Walker, uh, yet another Walker in the finale. And I was just, I was curious, like what, what has been your favorite Walker to appear as and, or you can, you can take either part of this or through the scope of this show, the favorite Walker that you've created. I mean, you've had a few. Well, you know, I was the first Walker that Daryl kills in the series in episode three of season one. So when we were doing the finale, I I thought that it would be fun for me to be the last Walker that Daryl comes into contact with in the show. So that was why I did that. I think I, we tried to count the number of times that I played a zombie. It was 14 or 18, I can't even remember the exact number. But, you know, most of the time we do it for one reason, which is it makes sense. If you have like with Emma Bell in season one when she gets killed, I thought, okay, it's TV, it, we're shooting nights, the reset to re-rig it for take two is gonna be a long time because we'd have to redo the prosthetic and the blood. So I'm like, ah, let me just make sure I'll be a zombie. Let's just make sure that I'll do it right. I'll rehearse it. I've rehearsed it with her a bunch of times. So a lot of times, a lot of the guys on my crew uh, have played zombies. And sometimes it's almost more to be in there and actually execute the effect on screen in camouflage, you know, in makeup. So I think for me, that was, that's kind of where it started. Plus it's fun. It's fun to... Mm -hmm. You know, I remember I was a I was a zombie in season three, and I was on set with Scott Wilson, and he didn't recognize me, and I didn't have my contact lenses in, um, and he's like, I know that voice, but I he couldn't he didn't recognize me, and it was just you know Norman didn't recognize me when I was in makeup, and it's just kind of fun to to play you know to play Halloween sometimes. Yeah. Now when I've uh, actually you you. Uh, per, uh, applied prosthetics to me at one point for the uh, it was like one of the San Diego uh, activations the through the oh, Petco Park right. or whatever yeah Walking so escape 
It's easy enough to, yeah, I love it. You do get it, get in character. It's fun to scare people and fun to be the ghoul. But uh, the, uh, okay, so I, you're probably not going to be able to answer this, but uh, we've got this Rick and Michonne spinoff. I know Scott Gimple is handling a lot of that. Uh, it's it's been it seems like it was announced and it's been taking a long time to to come to fruition. Where are we at with that? Are we are we seeing these guys show up together or is it a journey to find one another? What's well, the deal? you know, it's I think initial the some of the initial ideas with the Rick and with the Rick scenario in general was that uh, it was going to be a movie. You know, when Rick left the show, the intention was to do a Walking Dead movie and you know several iterations of the script flew around and it just ended up um, not coming to fruition so the idea of doing a Rick Grimes show kind of popped up about a year a year and a half ago probably um, and I don't think anybody really thought that it was going to happen and it uh, lo and behold as we get closer we start realizing that look, if we're not going to do the movies and maybe there's a show there and, you know, you can't end the walking dead without Rick Grimes. I mean, walking dead was always Rick's Rick's story. So I think it's, uh, you know, I, as soon as I found out about it and started getting involved, I got excited about it. You know, we went back to Georgia um, in early August of this year and reshot, not reshot, shot the footage with, um, Andy and Deny, and it was like no time had passed, and it felt like we were, you know, shooting something important and something that I wanted to be a part of. So it, it, it's it's great, and you know that Andy is just as committed to finishing his story um, than anybody, and I think it's important, especially because he's been away from it for a little while. Mm-hmm. So. It's and and as we wrap up, you know, I think it's been a it's been a hell of a great year for horror. I mean, we it just it seems like every year we're getting more and more just great horror consistently throughout the entire year. And it's tricky when you are making things and playing with the toys because sometimes you don't always get to watch the other stuff other people are making. True. But I haven't seen look, I haven't seen Smile yet. I haven't seen Barbarian yet because I've been so busy. But uh you know, and Justin Long is a friend of mine. And yeah. Like, what, how you, what you, I said, I promise you, I'm going to watch it when I have a minute. But yeah, it's, it's, it always is challenging to find the time to watch that stuff. But, but, you know, I have a little bit of time. I get some flights back and forth to Paris. Um, so I'm catching up slowly. That sounds like you're heading over there for uh, perhaps uh, a buddy of yours, uh, both Norman Reedus and uh, Daryl Dixon. Yeah, both of my friends. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and Justin Long, man, it was funny because someone said to me recently, they're like, oh, I don't really know him as a horror guy. I'm like, yes, you do. I'm like, the guy has crossed yeah. every every arena of horror and don't don't sleep on his performances because he's done incredible work yeah and he was in the uh was it the season two finale of yeah, show? Day, night of living late show that, yeah. that, that dana wrote and i'll tell you one of the things about him that i found absolutely riveting it was him and darcy carden who's amazing uh actress and <clears throat> 
he's one of those actors because he did the majority of the talking in the whole episode. He was one of those actors that literally he would have three pages of dialogue. And if he flubbed one word, he'd be like, hold on. And he would back it up and keep going. And he would get it all out. I don't know if he has a um, photographic memory or what it was, but I, I was sort of in awe watching him. Um, and just, you know, the nicest guy. I mean, you know, the casting on Creepshow, we really, we were really, really fortunate. You know, James Raymar and, mm -hmm. and uh, Ted Ramey. And, you know, we have Tom Atkins coming up in season four. You know, Ali Larder, C. Thomas Howell. You know, we had a lot of really, really fantastic. Um, we had a lot of fantastic uh, actors. So I was really grateful that they all wanted to come down. You know, I kind of tricked them a little, like with Jeff, Jeffrey Combs and um, Giancarlo Esposito and Tobin Bell. I'm like, hey, come to Atlanta for a couple days and um, it'll be fun. And it was like three days of shooting and then they would leave. And but we had a great time. Any other any other cameo or directors or actors or even just like monsters that you might want to tease about season four when that's coming out. Oh, next year. you know, we moved the show from Atlanta to Vancouver. And I was I was very, very impressed with the talent, you know. Um, my production designer, Chris Wishart, and a lot of my uh, a lot of my key crew people up there, Don Knight, who is our uh, post production. Everybody did a great job, and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you, you know, a lot of the local actors that we cast up in Vancouver were amazing. Like there was some absolutely fantastic talent up there. So you know, the show continues to evolve, and I think just by the nature of it being an anthology allows us to do some stories that are a little heavier some a little darker i think there's a couple pretty dark episodes um in this jamie flanagan wrote uh, uh a script for me you know i i love him and his brother mike's work and uh i had watched midnight mass and we just reached out to jamie to see if uh if he was interested and he kind of went yeah you know, I don't really think I have anything. And then like 20 minutes later, I get an email. Hey, I think I might have something. And he wrote a script that I absolutely fell in love with. And it's one of the most unique stories that we've ever done called uh, Cassandra in 20 Minutes. And um, it's pretty great. So it, the show continues to, to surprise me and it continues to delight me. So I'm grateful. I love it. It's always a great mix of uh, you've got um, topical commentary, you've got great uh, comedy and comedic beats, and then always, 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 always uh, just some lovely monsters and lovely effects and practical effects. So it's a, a damn delight to watch. I, I, I love the show so much. Um, I, I know we are out of time, but uh, sir, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Greg, it's always such a pleasure to chat with you and i'm just impressed by how you managed to uh turn out so much with only 24 hours in a day um so well, i have this stopwatch it stops time and then i can just get a lot of work done in it actually wait no that was a creep show episode yeah um, 
<laughs> I like it. But well, that's what uh, it feels like sometimes. Well, my guest is director, producer Greg Nicotero. We're talking Creep Show season three, available on DVD and Blu-ray, December sixth. The book is Shutters Creep Show from script to scream by Dennis L. Prince. That is available December twentieth. It should be on your uh, gift gift guides and uh, gift wish lists. And of course, season four of of Creep Show is going to be released next year on Shutter and AMC Plus, and then. Uh, Walking Dead, there is more from the universe to come. So, uh, Greg Nicotero, thank you. And for all of you out there, until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content.